priorities. I'm glad that you made it among your priorities to tune in and listen to this podcast about priorities. I'm Richard Lanford. I'm the redheaded preacher of St. Peter's United Church of Christ in Skokie, an open and affirming congregation in the United Church of Christ. And I'm the redheaded preacher of this congregation as well. I welcome you to our podcast. <clears throat> if you are new to us, uh, we start with an, an introduction, uh, which is what I'm sharing with you right now. Uh, then there are the scriptures shared by our lector, and then the sermon. And that concludes the podcast, but lately the sermons have been a full sermon. <clears throat> so you will get your time's worth for sure. Priorities is something that um, I've always been a bit drawn to because when I, I believe it's when I was baptized uh, and joined the church, which did happen the same Sunday, it was World Communion Sunday back in 1980 or 1981, uh, because I was not baptized as an infant, and that's a story in and of itself, but I was, was brought up in the church, but never joined it. I didn't, I went through confirmation, but chose not to join And so I was baptized and joined on the same day, and I got a little index card from my minister, Dick Kozelka, and it said, is not life more, dot, 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 seek first God's kingdom and righteousness. And so receiving that verse on that special day has always stayed with me. And so that verse, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be yours as well, has always been, you know, I've sought to integrate that into uh, my spirituality in a, in a foundational way. Not always with success, but it's always important to me, and I try to remember that's the priority. That's the priority. Even when uh, my wife and I got married, we, we vowed to together seek the kingdom of God uh, in, through our marriage as well as in our marriage. So, this topic is dear to me, and I hope to you. The sermon is uh, from Exodus and from Colossians and from Matthew. I'll explain why I picked each of those verses as it goes along. And... Uh, I've got a a way of devising how we can have a lot of little priorities that serve the greatest priority of seeking first God and God's realm. So um, I hope you enjoy that and that it makes some sense to you because I can see how maybe I could have made this a little clearer and I do go a little bit far as well as deep. So I um, I hope I won't lose you. I don't think so. I have revised this sermon to make it clearer. And with that, I'm going to stop talking. This is your intro. Welcome. And the next voice you'll hear will be that of our lector this morning. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, our epistle for today says. Well, this is a time and place where you and I encounter the word of Christ and we can let in, let it in to dwell, making us rich and abundant in spirit. Let's offer up a prayer so we start making room in our minds for these words, so they'll have a place to live within us. Please join me in the spirit of prayer. 
Beloved God, open our hearts to your healing word, our minds to your informing word, our souls to your renewing word. May it come and live within. May we be strengthened to live out your love in our words and actions. For the glory of your name, amen. Our first reading is Exodus 20, the first 17 verses. They came to Moses and the Hebrews at Mount Sinai, creating what we call the Mosaic Covenant between the Lord and Israel. Then God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above, or is on, on the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the in- inequity of parents to the third and the fourth generation, those who reject me but showing steadfast love to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work. You, your son, or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock, or the alien resident in your towns. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. Honor your father and mother, so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God has given you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or male or female slave, or ox, or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. This ends the reading of the Ten Commandments. Our epistle reading is Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. As God's chosen one, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another that if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body, and be thankful. Let the the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teach and admonish one another in all wisdom, and with gratitude in your hearts sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This ends the reading from the New Testament letters. Will those who are able please rise for the reading of the gospel lesson?
This morning it is Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 33. The section follows right after Jesus taught that one cannot serve both God and wealth. If this raised worries about security among the disciples, Jesus spoke to that immediately. Jesus said, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into farms, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you worry by adding a single hour to your lifespan? Why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What will we eat, or what will we drink? Or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things. And indeed, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness. For all these things will be given to you as well. Here ends the reading of the gospel and the scripture for today's service. Thanks be to God for this. The word of God, word of life, for life, for the people of God. Priorities. First things first. Morning, coffee. First things first. If physically able, Sunday morning, church. And for youngsters here, Sunday school first. First things first. Monday through Friday, after some of the other things that have to happen first, get to work or to school on time. You and I, despite our different lives, have a lot of priorities given to us, given, given to us or thrust upon us sometimes, giving what's going on at any particular time, and we share many of the same ones. Is it possible that with all these various priorities that we have, that overall they serve a single highest priority? For instance, if our first thing is baking a fresh southern peach cobbler, that's the main priority. Do we not, as smaller first things, need to ensure that we have all the ingredients? Eight fresh peaches, peeled, pitted, and sliced into thin wedges. One quarter cup white sugar, one quarter cup brown sugar, one quarter teaspoon ground cinnamon, one-eighth teaspoon ground nutmeg, one teaspoon fresh lemon juice, two teaspoons cornstarch, one cup all-purpose flour, one teaspoon baking soda, excuse me, powder, half teaspoon salt, six tablespoons unsalted butter, chilled and cut into small pieces. And some of those ingredients recur. Yet none of those are the real priority. They are insofar as they serve the ultimate first thing that's driving the enterprise, the peach cobbler. Priorities, first things, 
sometimes referred to as loyalties. In our faith, you and I are commanded to have only one ultimate loyalty or priority. Andre read some of these uh, in our scriptures. They tell us who that is and what that means. In Exodus, the commandments are led off with our top priority, and that in turn is preceded by the power and grace God showed the Hebrews in liberating them from slavery in Egypt to be a nation themselves. I am the Lord your God. Actually, in the Hebrew, it's I am Yahweh your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. One of my seminary professors told of when he visited the home of a friend on a hallway wall was a plaque listing the Ten Commandments, starting with, you shall have no other gods before me. Well, Dr. Story told us he felt sad at seeing that list because it did not include the preamble, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. That was the love that came before the law. There was grace from God before. Then God said, this is what it means to be my people. Without the Exodus, it's law and law alone. It's just orders, not a relationship in which God is deeply invested and graciously so. No other gods, no idols, no living as though there are things that are equal to or greater than God, the God who loves and delivers us. I could share with you the ink spilt by scholars over time on whether it should say, no other gods before me, or no other gods besides me. R. Allen Cole wrote that the literal Hebrew here, before or besides me is to my face. No other gods to my face. He said, this slightly unusual phrase seems also to be used of taking a second wife while the first is still alive and presumably still married to you. Such a use, such a breach of an exclusive personal relationship would help to explain the meaning here. It then links, too, with the description of Yahweh as a jealous God in verse 5. The first commandment is clear. The Lord God is the ultimate priority, no competitors. Funny, I tell my confirmation classes that in my view, this commandment is the one that's broken the most, and the most often. How easy it is to have idols that take God's place, even though we burn no incense or sacrifice neither fruit nor beast. We do give our idols other gifts, though, which could be a lot of money, a lot of time, our passion, our love, to the point where God is not acknowledged at all. And often we are our own idols without realizing it. I'm indebted to Jim Wallace, the co-founder of Sojourner's Magazine and Community, 
for what is the now conventional wisdom that our checkbooks or our budgets are moral documents. They reveal our priorities as to where our hard-earned money goes, largely keeping the household going. Out of necessity, our bank accounts must put money into phone and internet, medical bills, groceries, student loans, car loans, car insurance, faith communities, recreation, gas, mortgage, etc. None of these have to be our idols, although they could be. Sometimes our checkbooks show our priorities, but that mostly may have to do with keeping a household running. That's a, that's a priority, but it does not need to challenge the priority of Almighty God. They can be like the ingredients for the peach cobbler. However, as budgets, as per a government, well, those are much more likely to show that government's priorities. No other God. God is the priority. But you and I cannot be thinking God every moment. We show the Lord has top priority in our lives then by our work on following the Ten Commandments, what Jesus pointed to as the greatest two commandments, and perhaps also Micah 6, verse 8. If God is our number one, we won't take God's name in vain or bear false witness, dishonor our parents, etc., because obeying those lets us know and lets God know that we get the first commandment. Since it is the God who loves us, is always with us, and who came to us in Jesus, such a desire to put God first is not meant to be drudgery or a burden, but a response of faith and hope and joy. This is what you and I can easily forget. Along the same lines, and one of my favorite verses, is when Jesus said, Is not life more? Strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. To seek or strive first for the realm of God, God's way of doing things, is also how you and I and the church keep God at the top of our priorities. Rather than worry over much about this or that necessity God knows we need, and we're not to worry or be distracted, but lean into the reign of God first. Put God first. The same God who freed the slaves and who is Emmanuel, God with us, who so loved the world that the only Son was given. Again, how do we do this? Without thinking we have to think God all the time. How do we find and use and even become the ingredients, so to speak, to make our peach cobbler a service to God in God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven? Well, one way is our stewardship. One of the elders at St. Nikolai, Sue Larson, once told me that when her father got paid, he tithed. She said 10% off the top of the paycheck for the church, then came the mortgage and the rest. That was a long time ago, but that's all I'll say about that, but I still remember her saying that to me. Another way is to make a pledge of proportionate giving per St. Paul in 1 Corinthians. 
and keep it up. If possible, that's loyalty. Another way that we can do this is to let go of the things or situations which tempt you and me to set God aside or to give God the leftovers. Now that's a sermon in itself. But denying ourselves, which isn't the same as denying ourselves something, but denying ourselves is a theme in the Gospels. Jesus talked about it three times before his passion. Letting God's ways come in opens us up to receive the Spirit more completely, starting the conversion. The conversion of our natural-born, ego-driven operating system, which comes with the human race, into a Christ-centered operating system. As Paul wrote to the Galatians, it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. Now this conversion of our operating system helps you and me to take positive distractions without worry. We don't have to worry about these things that might, we might worry, oh, they're lesser, I'm putting my energy in the wrong places. Frederick Dale Bruner, in his commentary on the first 12 chapters of Matthew, offers a helpful way for us to make a, dis, to make a day-to-day understanding without thinking that we must become mystics or monks. About putting first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he wrote, nothing bothers serious disciples quite as much as the many distractions which keep them from devoting themselves to the first matters that really count. Discipleship learns, sooner or later, however, that it can pursue God's kingdom and righteousness right in the middle of these daily distractions or tasks, brushing the children's hair, grading students' papers, going to committee meetings, entertaining unexpected visitors, and doing the thousands of other earthly things that seem to distract us from more important things and from the one thing needful, all can be forms of kingdom-seeking when viewed in faith. He continued, For the grading of students' papers thoughtfully, while it takes the teacher away from writing and reading, helps students considerably. The parents' brushing of the children's hair though it takes one from far more elevated tasks, may be the only chance a parent and child have to touch each other that day. We strive first for the kingdom in lots of various ways, yes? Put another way, seeking the kingdom in an everyday life kind of way looks like this, too. Colossians. As God's chosen ones... Holy and beloved. That's you all. Holy and beloved. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ, P-E-A-C-E, let the peace of Christ, 
rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body, and be thankful. Insofar as you and I live with these traits, coming from our human heart and God's Spirit working in sync, we're striving first for the realm of God. We're living in it. We are prioritizing God by how we live and all the little and not so little ways we bless others. Now we ought always to know our motive and ability comes from our loyalty to the Christ of the cross and resurrection, the creator of the ends of the earth and the one who is always with us. But it does not mean we have to preach about it. Just do the good that comes naturally in the Christ-centered love we have for the one who saved us and who saves us still and one another. That may be witness enough for some to ask, what leads us to live like that? And in closing, I reflected, what were Jesus' priorities when he walked the earth? What were they? Well, I came up with five, and I do not have time to share all five well. But here goes, perhaps as cherries on the top of the Sunday sermon. First, I think Jesus made a priority out of taking on the religious hypocrites of his day and trying to point them in the right way. He knew they did not quite understand him. That frustrated him deeply. But if he wanted nothing to do with them, why did he keep engaging them in conversation and pointing them to him? I think that's not too tough for some who put Jesus first to do. We must always avoid judgmentalism. We have logs in our own eyes sometimes. But so-called Christian nationalism is not Christian. That must be called out. And in some places it is, including through some books that have come out and other places. That is a way we can follow through on Jesus' priority about taking on the religious, not necessarily in this case, but elite. In his case, they were. Second, Jesus ministered to the poor and on the margins. He himself said that if we would minister to him, we would find him among the least of these, his brothers and sisters. Take on religious hypocrisy in order to bring them back. Not that we have it all and know it all, but there are some things that seem to be clear, like the one I mentioned. And minister to the disenfranchised. Third, he prioritized teaching. He talked and demonstrated forgiveness, humility, servanthood, self-denial, and love, and putting God first. Teaching. Fourth, his priority was Calvary. That is a key reason why we have Christmas, why he came. And lastly in my list, and it's not meant to be exhaustive, Jesus prioritized being a loving person beyond the love that's shown by the Gentiles and others for their own. And he called us to love beyond those cultural barriers, too. In these ways, he showed what prioritizing God looked like, like the commandments, Colossians, and those everyday distractions Bruner lifted up that really can be serving God and the kingdom. Our overarching priority 
guiding and directing our lives is shown in lots of ways, in lots of sizes, being those common everyday ingredients which help to show forth not a peach cobbler, but the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, you can see that dealing with priorities can take us in a, a bunch of different places, can't it? It seems to be such a simple thing on the subject, excuse me, on the surface, and yet when we spend a little time with it, it's, it's cut and dried, and yet there are dimensions to our priorities, as I tried to make clear, and I hope I did. It, I don't think it was the clearest sermon I've preached. It. I, I did have to write a funeral homily earlier in the week, which impacted negatively the amount of time I had to work on this one. And what I have learned is that though I tweaked it substantially Sunday morning and preached that improved version, that I still could have spent more time on it and made things more clear, more concise, you know, to hang together better. That takes uh, time generally and I didn't have quite as much time as usual I'm not making an excuse but it uh, that that was part of what happened this weekend I hope that you did find some things of value in your own thinking of your priorities and maybe dealing with dilemmas in the realm of priorities that was my hope in preparing this and uh, as I prepared it, it wasn't necessarily my hope when I, when I picked the subject, you know, a few months ago. But once you get into the scriptures and you think more about life, <clears throat> you know, for this message or for any message, you start to uh, get more ideas for where the sermon can go. And I think that's what happened for this one. Next week, we're going to be having a baptism and it's Reformation Sunday. So I plan on trying to weave the two themes together. And that's all I can tell you for now. And so for now, I will thank you again for tuning in from wherever and whenever you are, asking that God bless you, and may God bless your week. May it be filled with good news. Amen. Like what you've heard? Hit subscribe to follow and get updates on our newest additions to the Red-Headed Preacher. We'd love it if you'd give us a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find us online under most social media platforms by typing St. Peter UCC Skokie in your browser. Donations are much needed and very welcomed. You can donate to us by going to paypal.me backslash St. Peter UCC Skokie. This information and more can also be found in the show notes wherever you listen to our podcast. Thank you so much.